yes, it's episode 7 of the You Should Know About This podcast. My name's Jonathan, and coming up next is a conversation I had with a fellow familiar face, Sabine. We spoke about her upbringing, the different cultures that she identifies with, and also stereotypes. So, I hope you enjoy. But yeah, just tell me a bit about your upbringing then, I guess. Uh, so, I am Vietnamese. I was born and raised in Paris until the age of 11. And then my parents uh, moved me to California. And so I grew up there. And then I left for Montreal for a year where I did my exchange year. And then I came back to San Diego after that in the US. And then about two years ago, I moved to London for work. And so I've been here since then, yeah. Damn, okay, so you said you moved at 11. I'm not going to lie, when I was 11, if my mum told me, yeah, Jonathan, we're moving to just another country on the other side of the world, I'd be fuming. I'd be like, what? i got all my friends here. Like, what are you doing? You're trying to ruin my life. So, yeah, how, how did you feel at the time when, when your parents told you that you had to make the move? Well, I remember I just, I wasn't very happy about it, but mm. my parents were very clear that I didn't have a choice in yeah. this and that we were going to move either way. Yeah. And my mom just sat me down and she was like, look, Sabine, we're going to move to the US. And obviously at the time I did not speak any English at all. So I grew up speaking Vietnamese and French. And yeah, like I just, you know, like the extent of, of my knowledge of English was like the days of the week, how to count to 100. and. Yeah the months and you know I couldn't even form a sentence of like asking the teacher like oh could I go to the bathroom you know mm. so obviously at that point I had already been to the US a couple or well, a few times but mostly when I was a baby so obviously I, there was no sort of like I didn't know what to expect yeah. from the US besides what you see you know on television where mm-hmm. you're like oh it's like so glamorized and it's yeah. Hollywood and and you know I was moving to LA so that <laughs> obviously <laughs> I was kind of basing that off of like television, but yeah. So we so we moved to the U.S. and I remember just feeling so out of place because obviously I didn't speak English. But funny thing is, when I moved there in sixth grade, yeah. where where we lived, like it was mostly Vietnamese people. Okay. So I feel like, in a way, I didn't feel so out of place because people looked like me. Mm. We just couldn't communicate, and so the thing is. I'm an extrovert and I've always been an extrovert. I've it's always been really easy for me to make friends and like go up to people and talk to them. Yeah. And obviously coming to the US and not speaking English, I just it yeah. you know, it really so pissed destroying. me off as a child. Yeah, I was yeah. like, How am I supposed to make friends? Like this normally is so easy for me mm. and there's that, you know, language barrier, but not only language barrier but also cultural barrier. And, um, yeah, I just remember people being like, oh, yeah, like, there's this, like, new girl from, like, Paris. But she's she's Asian, you know? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, like I think they were they expecting, did, yeah. yeah. They could have put the two you, you together. You know exactly what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> and they're yeah. like, what do you mean? French where? <laughs> like, she's not French. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Like, um, so I didn't know this, but so, so is it is it true then that L.A. has, like, a big Vietnamese community there? Or yeah, so I say LA, but I, I grew up in Orange County okay. because, well, I think people who aren't from there don't really know what that is. Yeah. But Orange County essentially has 
mostly Vietnamese people, like a huge commu- Vietnamese community. Okay. There's also quite a big Korean community, but mm. at least like where I was living exactly, it was mostly Vietnamese Americans. So it was, yeah, it was interesting because growing up in Paris, it was always been so diverse. Like I've had friends from like, you know, every culture. Yeah. And yeah, it was just, yeah, it was a very different change all of a sudden. And it's like, we, you know, look the same and, but we don't dress the same. We yeah. grew up in, you know, s- sort of similar upbringings. Mm. My parents, well, you know, when I grew up, they were quite strict with me. But I think because they lived in France for so long, yeah. they've always been a bit more open-minded to things. And so awesome. I think I got a bit of like half like Vietnamese, half French sort of upbringing. Yeah. And I know a lot of like my Vietnamese peers, they had just very strict Asian parents yeah. who were like, you've got to have straight A's, you've got to, do you know what I mean? Like you can't have a boyfriend until you're married kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Yeah. Mm, tell me a bit about then sort of acclimatizing to like the American culture were there anything that shocked you or like you were kind of expecting things from what you've seen on like the TV and stuff like that yeah so I actually remember my first day quite vividly because so the thing is in France like you know lunchtime or just mm. lunchtime dinner time you know breakfast it's like a sacred time like you properly sit down for a meal you you talk you know you eat slowly you talk and everything and I remember my first day in the canteen in the US. Hmm. You know what they served us for lunch? They served what? us peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> and it's like those um, those that are like pre-made, oh, I can't remember what they're called. Oh, Uncrustables. So, so look look it up after this. Yeah, uh, but essentially it's like pre-packed for you and like they seal the sandwich together. It's like a round sandwich, I think. Okay. Um, and so it's pre-packaged and you buy like that at like Costco and like yeah. supermarkets. And... Yeah, and it's, like, a very rushed thing. Like, you sit down for maybe, like, 30 minutes, if that. Okay. And you, like, and you eat, and next thing you know, like, everyone's, like, eating so quickly, and then they serve you, like, milk as well. And I'm, like, (laughs) what are you feeding me? Honestly, like, imagine, imagine 11-year-old Sabine, like, coming on her first day to school in California, not speaking, like, any English at all. And they're, like, sit down, eat your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I'm, like, I'm sorry, what? Like, we don't eat this in France. And I remember, like, going home to my parents that day, and I was, like, Oh my god! Do you know what they served us? Um, because in France, like you eat like proper meals. You I was know? gonna it's ask like, actually, yeah. Like, what did you? What did they give yeah, you in France? Well, I remember my favorite meals were like we'd have like chicken, like mashed potatoes, and like mm. some sort of like green beans, carrots. Or we'd have like merguez. Oh yeah, that's like a sausage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah merguez, and then we you know with like yeah again mashed potatoes or like some sort of potatoes or mm. rice, mm. and like it was a very like well balanced meal. Culture. Yeah, and then f- with every meal we'd have bread, <laughs> and, and it's it's funny because like it's so stereotypical, but that's just how it was. Yeah, and I remember I just looked forward to those meals, and like mm. our lunch was like two hours long, and obviously can two you imagine? hours. Yeah, two hours. Like nah. you'd have an hour to eat, and then an hour to like play during recess, so you can yeah. like digest, you know, and like run around <laughs> and everything. Because as you know, we're very healthy in France. <laughs> and then I came to California, and I was like, right, like I don't have time to digest. I'm being rushed to eat my peanut peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> but I think that was like the most shocking thing to me. And I'm sure there were loads of other things, but I just can't remember at the time being. Yeah. But it was just yeah, it was just like the way that classes were, and like obviously like. I couldn't follow most of it because I didn't speak English and, mm. 
yeah, it was just bizarre. Yeah. How do people, like, take to you or, like, treat you, like, coming from France and not being able to speak the language that well at the start? I feel like I didn't belong in any groups because, as I was saying, there's a lot of Vietnamese people, so there are a lot of people from Vietnam who moved to the U.S., and so they sort of you know, stayed amongst each other. Mm. And I speak fluent Vietnamese, so I never felt like I didn't belong with them, so I could yeah. always communicate with them. But again, I wasn't, like, from Vietnam. Do you know what I mean? Like, I grew up in France, and so whilst we spoke the same language, I think culturally, which is quite different as well. Mm. And I remember saying to myself, like, Sabine, like, if you're going to want to learn English and assimilate to the culture, it's not by speaking Vietnamese every day that you're going to learn English. Yeah. And so... I was just like forcing myself to make friends who were born in the US and then speak English to them and tell them like, you know, I know I'm going to make mistakes, mm. but if I make any mistakes, whether it be like, you know, like grammar or spelling, whatever, like just let me know. Like I'm not going to get offended by it because I am genuinely trying to learn and get, you know, like I yeah. want to be fluent in English. Yeah. And I think that helped loads because people would just be like, oh, Sabine, like this is not how you say it. This is mm. not how you spell it. And then I would just kind of like make a mental note of how things were said yeah and i think i think it took me about like two to three years to like speak it fluently where i was like actually comfortable speaking it and wait so you you were basically saying this from the start like oh let me know if i'm wrong or whatever like from like 11 12 years old when you arrived yeah wow that's that's i can't lie that's super brave and i can't even imagine doing that at this age where it's like you're kind of opening yourself up to basically meet new people but at the same time learn a new language and tell me everything I'm doing wrong essentially just in order to improve like yeah I don't know especially in that environment that's quiet I don't know that must have felt really like scary for you or was it not I don't know I mean I guess I guess yeah it was a bit scary but I think (laughs) like I don't really mind new like I don't mind new beginnings and like Mm. new things yeah I think it is obviously change is always scary but I think there can be a really good thing out of it yeah and i think i've always approached everything in life that way and obviously at the time being that had been the scariest thing that i had done up to that point and i you know now obviously being 25 there's been loads of other things that i've done mm. like moving to montreal not knowing anyone for a year and like moving to london you know like i didn't know anyone here when i moved just stuff like that and i think if if my parents hadn't you know moved me to the us at the age of 11 i don't think i'd be the person that i am today where I think like it's always scary but I th- it's just about taking the right steps of like okay well you don't have friends but then go out and make friends yeah. you know go out and talk to people or try to find people who have the same hobbies as you do or you know make friends at work or make friends at school and yeah and I think it's just change is scary but I think it's so it's like for me I've always seen it as very exciting mm-hmm. and I think sometimes it's like my toxic trait I'm like something goes wrong I was like hey pack up your bags and switch do somewhere up. new yeah switch it up like have a new like clean slate yeah. meet, like meet new people like it'll be fine you know and I think you know like I'm I'm so so young and I think now is the time to do it before yeah, you yeah. like you know like get married and have 100%. kids and like you want to settle down and like buy a house and everything I think now is a time where it's obvious it's not easy but it's always it's never going to be any easier than it is now to move 100 percent. yeah just like having less responsibilities and like not having to worry about your mortgage and like stuff like that no effects um so you said it took like two three years to be like fully fluent in english was there a point where like when you did become fluent 
yeah, was there a point where you felt like your identity kind of shifted to like, you're not now the girl from Paris anymore, you're the Vietnamese girl from LA now sort of thing, or was that everything? Yeah, I think when I started becoming fluent in English, people just assumed that I'd always lived in the US and that I was born there. Yeah. And so whenever they'd be like, oh, like Sabine, like where's your name from and stuff like that. Yeah. Or, you know, I would randomly mention like, yeah, like I grew up in Paris and they're like, they're like, no, you didn't. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what makes you say that? And they're just like, well, you just sound American. So like, yeah. that's absurd, you know? And yeah, I because I think most French people like they have some sort of French accent or something you know and people are like oh well like that makes sense because you're French but for me it was like because I sounded American when there were certain words I just didn't know of they were like how do you not know that Sabine like how like you know how could you not know and I'm like well English is like (laughs) English is literally my third language what do you mean you know and I think people just have a hard time believing that because I sound American when I speak Mm. and I think this is the case with like every language that I speak is that I am fluent in all three, but obviously, yeah. like, I will never speak any language perfectly because mm. there'll always be some words that, like, I have never heard of before or that yeah. I just, you know, don't know. Um, so, yeah, it's a funny thing. And I guess, like, I had this conversation with one of my professors when I first started out at uni, and mm. he was he was quite intrigued by my background, and he was saying to me, like, you know, Sabine, like, people, like, you don't need to study abroad because essentially so i studied international business and so with that major you have to go abroad for at mm. least a semester to a year yeah i did a similar thing yeah yeah and so he was saying to me like sabine like i'm not saying that you shouldn't go but you know people like you don't really need as much as say you know a white guy who grew up in like kentucky and has never been outside of his hometown he will benefit from it far more than you would mm. and he was saying to me also he's like you know people like you sabine um, you know, like being Vietnamese, growing up in Paris, now living in the U.S., they tend to have some sort of like identity crisis where they feel like they don't belong in any of those three cultures. And mm. I remember at the time I was like, well, I don't think that's true because I feel very much close to all three of them. Yeah. But I do think now being older and like when I go back to the U.S. or when I go back to France, I feel like I assimilate right back into the culture, but at the same time don't feel like I am fully French or fully Vietnamese or fully American because you know of my mannerisms or because Mm. of my values because I kind of pick and choose from each culture what I want to follow yeah um or just the way that I dress or just the way that I speak now and just like stuff like that you know because yeah and so I think sometimes people are like you know people can point out someone being like oh well like she's so french because of the way that she speaks or like oh like she's so aggressive well it's because she's french so that's obviously so normal (laughs) and then they look at me and they're just kind of like oh but then why are you like this be and i'm like well like what do you mean like why does everything have to be attributed to a certain culture yeah i was gonna say that must be quite quite hard in a way because i think as human beings we naturally we cling on to our identity sometimes but like when your identity like as you said it's mixed in with all these different cultures and different experiences where you can't just you basically can't be put into a box which yeah. is a good thing but it can also be like i guess a scary thing at the same time where it's like sometimes you just want to be put into a box and just be like this is me here i am it's easy to explain do you know what i mean there's no complications mm-hmm. but when like you say you've had all these different experiences Sometimes it can just maybe be long to even explain everything that you've sort of gone through and stuff. So, yeah, man, I, I really, um, 
I don't even I, res- I definitely respect um, like all your like experiences and I guess back to the the Vietnamese side of things I, I guess you could say like have you experienced any sort of like I guess like prejudice or, like stereotyping or or anything like that on your side because from my side as like as a black man I know like you know I think our the plight of the black male is quite well documented in terms of like the racism they face and the type of the type of uh, racism and microaggressions we face but like to be fair I'm pretty ignorant on like East Asians go through in terms of racism and, and like stereotyping and stuff like that yeah I think one of the things that stands out to me the most is um, merging the whole like Black Lives Matter movement mm. a lot of Asian Americans started speaking up about how people don't always assume that racism also affects us and like every other races really yeah. and obviously like we were very happy that that became movement because you know it's just like things that a lot of people are ignorant about and so during that time we talked about like you know like asian hate crimes you know due to covid and everything and how people think that you know as an asian person you're closer to being white than like a black person yeah. ever will yeah. and to an extent it is true but at the same time it's like I may be lighter in my skin tone, mm-hmm. but I will also never be white because when you see me, <laughs> you see an Asian girl. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think people tend to base that off of your your physical appearance. And I think a lot of the times, obviously, it's like, you know, with your name, like when you see that, you're like, oh, well, like you have an, a Vietnamese surname. Mm-hmm. But I think within the workplace, I think sometimes people just assume like, like no one will ever say it to my face. But you can obviously tell, you know, and like microaggressions are definitely a thing. Yeah. And I'm just saying like in general, not which is like within the workplace, mm. but just like when you first meet someone, it's always kind of expected that, oh, well, as an Asian girl, like she must be pretty quiet or she must be submissive mm. or, you know, she, do you know what I mean? Like she yeah. must not be very opinionated or, yeah. or that, you know, she must be self-spoken. And then I think when people realize that I'm not, mm, you know, yeah any of those things yeah. then it's kind of like it's not so much something that is being praised it's yeah. more so like oh how dare you like how dare you have your own voice or do you know what I mean and it's kind of like oh but like you're aggressive because you actually say what you think mm. just things like that where I think like being Asian it's just like do you know what I mean like it's just like not you're like you're just not allowed to be a certain way because that's a stereotype that people have put on Asian people or Asian yeah. women yeah I was gonna say because yeah earlier in the conversation you said how um yeah you're extrovert naturally so like, that's a clash already do you know what i mean because you're not yeah. expected you're not expected to be like out there like as much as um maybe other other races or other other cultures so yeah how did how how did that play in terms of let's say like your parents or your or your parents cool with your personality like extrovert like open personality or was it just like were they were, do they encourage that? Do they not encourage that? Like, I think it's funny because... So I, I'm an only child and I remember growing up, my parents were more strict in the sense that I wasn't allowed to go out with my friends. Yeah. And that was... That has always been the case until like I moved out when I was 19. Mm. Like I wasn't allowed to go to the cinema with my friends. I wasn't allowed to go to the mall. You know, like things that you do when you're in high school. With you weren't allowed to go to the cinema? <laughs> no. 
no. <laughs> <laughs> because there was no parent supervision and like my mom oh was like afraid God. that I was going to get kidnapped or something. Oh, and and it's kind of funny now looking back because then like when I turned 19 I was like right like I'm like I'm moving like see yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And I think because my parents were so strict with me going out i think i should have been really sheltered and i think i was in some sense some senses yeah and so i think in some ways because they were quite strict about me going out i i guess did it did it they didn't really like push me to be extroverted and have loads of friends and i think they wanted me to have few friends that i was very mm. close with and i'm like yeah but what's so wrong about having a lot of friends you know what i mean and i think in in a way yeah like they didn't really i guess encourage my extroversion until Mm. i guess i just moved out and just lived my life as i wanted to is there a sort of tradition or something that you always maybe like an older tradition that you can like relate to your parents that you feel you always like hold on to if you know what i mean hmm I feel like I have some, but I can't think of anything now. Let me think. I would say, I mean, I guess it's not so much of a tradition, but my mum was always super keen for me to speak Vietnamese fluently. And I think it's mm. because she saw that her her friends, you know, who had their kids um, in a Western country, yeah. they could either just could not speak any Vietnamese at all. Yeah or just speaking very broken mm-hmm. and that was the one thing my mom was like you are never going to speak Vietnamese that way like you <laughs> must sound very fluent when you speak it and so that so that was a rule in the house that like so when I was growing up, growing up in Paris as long as you're like you know in the house or you're with us like we yeah. want you to only speak Vietnamese okay. and you're not allowed to speak French and I remember Damn. being like I remember being like mom like I'm French like, I'm not going to speak <laughs> Vietnamese to you like that's absurd <laughs> And I remember when my mom would drop me off at school, I'd always be so embarrassed to speak to her in Vietnamese. And she'd yeah. like say something to me like, oh, like, love you, you know, like, I'll see you tonight in Vietnamese. Yeah. And then I would just respond back in French. And I'm like, I am French. Like, I am not <laughs> speaking Vietnamese to you. Like, how embarrassing. Yeah. And looking back, I'm so thankful that she did that because, mm. like, she told me that from the moment that I was born, she just spoke to me in Vietnamese. And um, she explained to me that obviously, like, when you're a baby, and you can't speak yet you're just kind of registering those words 100% and so I guess in that sense like technically my first language was Vietnamese because that was the first language introduced to me yeah but like my first language is is French Mm. and she would just like you know just like literally just tell me like what she was doing as she was doing it it's just like yeah just like speaking to me Vietnamese and then I didn't start speaking until I was three and she was like oh my gosh Sabine's deaf like she can't speak um, <laughs> so she went to the doctors and they were like nope it's so it's so normal like bilingual kids don't start to speak until like they're a bit older but that okay. yeah and then when I started speaking she was like I, you just wouldn't shut up like I just couldn't get you to stop <laughs> speaking and I was like you know well you asked for it mom but yeah so I yeah just uh, when I was at home I would speak Vietnamese only and I'm very grateful for that because when I speak to, you know, like native Vietnamese people, or yeah. when I go back to Vietnam, yeah. people just assume that I was born in Vietnam because of. That's like, mad. I can't lie. I'm jealous, way. man. I wish my, I wish my <laughs> parents both like just kept instilling their languages uh, into me. But yeah, I lost it from a very yeah. young age, so it's hard to get back as well. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm very glad that my mum forced me to do that, and obviously, like when you have like. Vietnamese and French down you know at the age of 11 it's just about introducing English then you know into your into yeah and so 
that is something that I'm going to do with my kids is I'm going to make sure that they speak Vietnamese because I want them to be able to speak to my parents yeah. and just because I think it's so important to know your roots and I think obviously like knowing the language only isn't what is going to help you feel close to you know feel close to it culturally but I think it's such a massive part because if you can't even understand the language that you know your family speaking or you know like how are you supposed to be able to have these conversations about your upbringing and like you know cultural aspects of it and so yeah Facts. what a great conversation man i always love learning about the people around us their backgrounds their different experiences and cultures yeah man we hope to have many more of those type of conversations so if you're ever interested in speaking to us or being on an episode of you should know about this don't hesitate to reach out to us hit us up on ig that's instagram for you old folks at we are familiar faces uh yeah we're down to talk discuss debate go back and forth why not man that's what it's all about we're gearing up to have more regular chats so stay locked in and yeah share this podcast episode with a friend family colleagues even your enemies um and oh yeah don't forget to leave that five star review peace by me or stick by you